0: In the following live session recording, Jamie Willis, student pastor at Lakewood Baptist Church in Gainesville, Georgia, talks about equipping parents to lead their kids spiritually. Most of us would agree that parents are the ones who are called to be the primary spiritual leader for their kids. But what does this really look like today? In this session, listeners will hear about some biblical and practical ideas to help parents invest in their kids spiritually. Through leveraging teachable moments, celebrating spiritual milestones, and creating lasting memories, as well as how to incorporate these ideas into a healthy and effective family ministry in your church. Let's join Jamie now. All good. Well, hey, we'll go and jump in. So great to meet you, Jamie Willis and uh, at Lakewood. Love what I get to do and have done student ministry a long time. Uh, my role is probably a little different than a lot of other student pastors. Partly is I get to have, uh, we have a staff, we have a middle school pastor and a high school pastor and a girls minister. This is Chris, our girls minister. Just kidding. He, he's our middle school pastor, but decided to come down with me and hang out today. Um, but love what I get to do, but partly because we have a staff that's how I'm able to focus a little bit more on that parent ministry. And uh, part of it, I was sharing with some of y'all walking around that I've got three daughters, so uh, 11th grade, can hardly believe that, mind blown, and then uh, 10th grade, and my 6th grader just started the, uh, kind of sad, started the youth group, she's growing up, um, and as my girls were getting older, wanted just to rethink a little bit of how do we um, how do we better do parent ministry? How do we how do we invest in parents because they're the ones with them for the long haul? And so sort of the past couple of years have been working uh, to develop that. But um, anyhow, it's a little little bit about me. My wife, her name is Joy. Oh, we got the pictures up there. So um, anyhow, I know she would have loved to have been here today. And really cool with uh, her. She uh, works at the church as marketing graphic design. So she made the beautiful handouts that you have. So it's fun to get a partner with her on a lot of things. But excited to be here today. How many of you guys have been to Go Georgia before? So we're Raise your hand if you've been before, okay? So the other one's first time, first time, very good. And then how many of you are uh, directly in student ministry in some way, form, or fashion? Okay, very good, very good. This gives me a little bit of uh, context of where you guys are at. Um, but I'd say whatever, uh, whatever role that you're in, whatever it is that you do, my hope today is that I want to hopefully encourage you and challenge you a little bit and maybe help to rethink a little bit about what things could look like. And, and I want to be real clear too that what we're talking about here, this is not um, the end all be all model of how to do parent ministry, but I very much believe that if we can invest well in parents, that is going to be huge for our middle and high school students years down the road. And I think earlier in ministry, I didn't think that way. I thought much more about, man, I want to lead this group of kids and I want to get them back all alive from Six Flags and I've done my job, you know? And there's a sense in which that's true. But when you look at the broader picture, of what we're trying to accomplish in youth ministry, the reality is we want to see them five and 10 and 15 and 20 years down the road that they are walking with the Lord. And I am 100% convinced that a more effective way to do that is if we partner together with parents. I want to unpack a little bit of what that looks like. And and I do think when it comes to parent ministry, churches do things different ways. I think for some, uh, it might be more of a once a year parent, meaning we're going to gather them all up and others it might be a a newsletter or occasional email. I think in some churches, there's even a little bit of confusion of whose job is it? I mean, is it... Is it the senior pastor, or is it the adult discipleship? Is it the youth pastor, or children's minister? What does that even look like? So I think uh, sometimes there's a little bit of confusion with what, what is parent-ministering, whose job it is. But I want to uh, kind of more broadly talk about why do we even do it? You know, why invest in parents and, and recognize that in whatever role you're in with children or with students, whatever you're doing? There's a million things that we have going on. Week in and week out. But I, I want us to look at uh, why would we even begin investing in, in parents and then, then get a lot. Today's going to be a lot of... Um of the practical, of here are some ways that it could that it could look. That, that's where we're going today. Um, but first of all, uh, so three reasons for parent ministry of why it's important. One, it's the biblical reason. You've got to start with the biblical reason, right? And uh, Psalm 78, it says, for he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their, to their children. And listen to this, so that the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn would teach their own children, so that each generation would set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. then Ephesians 6, 4, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And I want to be really clear at the beginning um, that when it comes to what the word of God says about parents, I want you to hear it loud and clear that the word of God says parents are the primary spiritual leaders of their kids i want us all to begin kind of getting uh, getting on that page and i don't want you to miss that these are not things that are suggestions in scripture these are literally commands from the word of god that parents are charged with the primary spiritual development of their kids and our role as church leaders, and I'm just going to say church leaders. I know we're not all, you know, kind of student ministry different ways. Our role is to partner, to come alongside, to support, to reinforce what's being taught in the home. And I recognize that not in every home, our parents, man, they're open in the word of God, doing all this. And we're going to talk some about that. But in general, I want us to think about that as our framework as we jump in today, that our role is to invest in this. That means if you are a parent of a teenager, then your most important youth group is under your roof okay it 's on your roof, and it 's three girls, my home, Sarah and Hannah and Ellie and I very much believe that I will be with them for the long haul, like the long you know and i hope i 'm at where I 'm at now for a long time. We have incredible students, I love what I do, but for three girls in particular i 'm with them for the long haul, so I would say biblical reason is simply that the practical reason is this is that the parents in your church are busy, okay the parents in your church are busy, maybe even busier than you, and practical reason is that Um, that parents are better positioned to invest in their kids than we are as church leaders, and they've got more of a vested interest in it than, uh, than you do. So think about it like this. Think about in terms of math. Imagine that you have a youth group and you've got three kids, okay? It's three, and you're like, I'm wanting to grow my group. Probably you know the names of all three kids, I hope. Uh, hopefully you might even know their birth dates and you're going to go to their games and their graduation and all that. So I want you to think about that for three. You can invest really, really well. Now I want you to multiply that and think about a youth group of 300. Okay, Pretty big youth group. Is there any possible way that you would know all their names? Right? Would you know all their birth dates? Would you be able to go to all their games and all that? No, there's no way you could. But the reality is for parents, the numbers for them, for the most part, it's going to be a youth group of two or a youth group of three, and they've got way more vested interest in the youth group in their home and can spend more time doing that than we can. Another way to think about it, um, as I walked in today, people kept wanting to steal my gumballs, but there's a reason that I've got all these. So I want you to think about it just in terms of the number of hours that we have in a week. So 168 hours a week, all right? And picture at a typical church that you're going to come in, and on a Wednesday night, we've got an hour, maybe hour and a half, something like that. Sunday morning, uh, another hour or so there, and then maybe a discipleship group, okay? So over the course of a week, I think about what Chris and I do, and, and you guys, if you're in student ministry, we will do everything we can within the two to three hours to make that engaging and fun and biblically sound. We work really, really hard, but the reality is it is only two to three hours out of their week, okay? The rest of those 165 plus hours are outside of the church. And so I just want us to think about it in terms of that. Sometimes I think we pictured that in in student ministry that that's really all they need to get. If we can just get them for the one or two or three hours and it's great and we need to do well in that time, but the reality is, most of their time is spent outside of the church. So, what would be some ways that we could come alongside parents and help help them see that? And I literally, at our parent meeting, we do uh, we do a big one at the beginning of the year. I bring these and share this every year and challenge them that as parents, we need to invest well in the time. We have with kids outside of the walls of the church as we're driving down the road, as we're hanging out, as we're you know doing fun things together. So I'm not not talking about we do these three hour long Bible studies together in the home. It's probably not realistic. Um, but think about it like that in terms of hours. So uh, in a book called Soul Searching, some of you might have read this. Christian Smith says this. He says most teenagers and their parents may not realize it. But a lot of research in the sociology of religion suggests that the most important social influence in shaping young people's uh, religious lives is the religious life modeled and taught to them by their parents. And isn't that interesting? It's not the youth worker, you know? And I'm all about what we do as student ministry. I've done this forever, and I love it. I'm all about what we do there. But it is the spirituality of their mom or of their dad, of whoever the parents are in their life. So think about your role as investing in the health of parents who are then going to turn around and invest in their kids. So that would be the practical reason in terms of hours and time. And then the humbling reason is the third one. And the humbling reason is simply this, is that some of what we're doing in ministry today, in youth ministry specifically, is not working. It's not working, because I would guess that at your church, you are not graduating 100% of kids that they're fully devoted followers of Christ and everything's great. Uh, Some of what we're doing, I would say, is not working. Instead, I think sometimes we have kids that show up faithfully for programs, events. And I'm all about programs and events. We need to do this well. But is that really the win that they showed up? Or is the win that their lives are so transformed by the gospel that they're living out their faith? And and I know now going back in social media and looking on Facebook and people that I graduated with, that they were the leaders in the youth group. Man, they were hands down the leaders. They're not walking with the Lord. And I guess everyone in the room that, that we know people like that as well. So I think part of the humbling reason is we've got to admit that some of what we do, and I'm not throwing it all out. I'm not, I'm pro student ministry, but some of how we do it may not be working as effectively as it can. Carapow, who writes and teaches a lot about all this, says this, as we've examined uh, other research, our conclusion is that 40 to 50 percent of kids who are connected to a youth group when they graduate high school will fail to stick with their faith in college. Some of what we're doing Is not working. So hopefully we can all agree that we ought to be investing when parents at some level. We ought to be investing in parents to help maximize that spiritual impact. And so what I want to do today is not share the end-all, be-all model. And and this is not like, well, I'm going to go back and implement it. It's going to fix everything. But I do think doing healthy parent ministry, I think it's part of the solution. And I think it's a great place to start. So what I want to do is begin by looking at at three very specific ways that you can teach the parents in your church about how they can invest in your kids. Because I think if you walk up to moms and dads, and you simply say, you need to be investing in your kids spiritually you're the you know the stuff we 're talking about today you're going to freak people out I think they're going to be like what i don't know even where to begin and I think some people picture that what you mean we're church you know we're church leaders and volunteers and staff leaders and they picture that to do that you've got to have degrees from prominent seminaries and all that and the truth is you don't you know and I think they picture that you've got to sit down and open the Bible for three hours and talk about Greek and Hebrew and you don't have to do that so what I want to do is give you three ways you can teach parents how they can invest in their kids in ways that work within the natural rhythm of their lives. Okay, So here are three ways. One is simply this. It's moments. Uh, We want to talk about leveraging teachable moments. Leveraging teachable moments. And teachable moments are times with your kids when you get to talk about spiritual truth and you get to pass on wisdom from everyday life. And some of this happens in a very uh, planned, intentional way. Other times, it's much more on the spot. So last week, we were sitting around the dinner table, and one of my daughters said, my friend has this new app, and with the app, you can watch movies on your phone that are at the movie theater. You know? To which I'm going, I want to get that app. You know, um, No, to which you know, I said, okay, well, let's talk about that. And the question came up, is that right or wrong? And the easy thing is to sit there and go, well, that's wrong, don't ever do that. If I ever see that app on your phone, I'm going to take it away and case closed. And as a parent, I have authority to say you know, say things like that. But instead, what we did is we dialogued about it and asked them, so, what do you think? Is it right right or wrong? We went a little bit back and forth. And, and I know the easiest thing is just to say cut and dry and here's the verse and all that. But we had a really good conversation about it. And it made them think, because what I'm well aware of is that while my daughter is 16, in two years, she'll be 18. And then she'll be 19. And it makes me sad thinking about it. And she's going to be moving on in college and all this stuff. And as much as I want to control it now, I'm trying to prepare her and my other daughters for the time when they're not in my my home where I'm making all these decisions. I want them to learn how to think biblically. And part of how we do that is leveraging teachable moments. Leveraging teachable moments. Listen to this in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, I love in verse 7, it says, impress these truths on your kids. And the image is of an engraver of a monument with a hammer and a chisel. And they're engraving this on them. So parents are to impress spiritual truth on their kids. And did you catch what it said in Deuteronomy of when? It didn't say like in this one formal time and it happens on Sunday night. You know, it said, as you go, it says, as you lie down, and what else to it say? As you get up and as you walk along the road, you know. So it's as we go. I think it happens in formal and informal ways. So some here's some planned teachable moment times. And I'm just, I know I'm throwing out a million ideas. I want you just to think about this. So meal time. The reality is people are busy and I'm well aware of that. There's a million things that are going on. School and sports and work and all that. A lot of different directions. But what if you could help parents to think through how they can leverage their meal time to be able to teach spiritual truth. So here's some ideas about that breakfast. In um, our breakfast, and even today, I mean, it's like, woo, man, we're moving quick and all that. But a simple thing we've done if you have the U Version Bible app, if you don't have it, you need to download that app. It has a verse of the day. It'll put a little notification, and every morning that comes up. So sometimes all we do is we just read the little verse of the day from the U Version Bible app, and I'm not preaching to them. We're, we're just reading the verse and saying, We love you, you know? So something like that, a verse of the day. Um, it could be getting a book like Operation World. And over breakfast, you read about a people group. And so I just want you to think about this group, another part of the world. So that that would be great. You can go to their website, and it'll tell you every, every day of the year, that particular people group you can pray for. Or maybe it's asking your kids, how can I pray for you today? So that would be for breakfast. For lunch. Now, it could be if you still pack your kid's lunch, uh, that you maybe you drop a note with a verse and encouragement. And again, a lot of kids today, they're on phones and all that. Maybe you text them when a time you know they're not like in class, uh, but you text them something, uh, a spiritual truth, just to remind them, not preach at them. Not that like I'm trying to get on to them about something we talked about earlier. And here's a verse that's really going to get them, not that, but to encourage them and challenge them. So you could do that for lunch, dinner. Uh, So here's part of what we've done at dinner. Dinner's crazy. And and my family's not one. We're like, every night, we all sit down. Uh, We try to have dinner together most nights. It doesn't always work like that. But what we've tried to do is uh, typically Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Those are nights that are a little bit more calm and we try at dinner to have some kind of good conversation at the end of dinner time we do kind of a wrap-up little Devo time okay and sometimes that that's as simple as we're doing a church-wide study and it's and, and so what I read recently from uh, the book of Ruth we're in the Old Testament reading Ruth and we just read it and talked about that there's also on UVersion version great devotions you can do uh, sometimes we begin by uh, asking them this question give me um, I'll tell, tell them to pick two of the following give me a high from today Give me a low from today. Uh, something funny that happened in a way that you saw God at work, you know? And typically they begin with, here's the funny thing, you know? And so we love hearing that. But I'll also get, a, get, get them thinking about, here's how I saw God at work today. And so for our girls, we're trying to build this in that it is normal and natural that as parents, we're going to open the word of God together at the dinner table. And for us, it takes seven to 10 minutes, so, what if you could challenge the parents in your church? You probably picture you saying, "Well, you need to be doing these big, long hour, you know, couple of Bible studies." that works for them great. Most people does not work. But what if you could challenge them? What if once or twice a week, you could open the Word of God around your dinner table where you're gathered, and we just talk, we do kind of a mini devoton, you know, and as my girls have gotten older, I've let them read that as well. There's all kinds of resources, and I think at the end of the handout, uh, there ought to be a page of resources, uh, things that would be helpful, but version certainly is a great uh, great one. There's an app called the Parent ParentQ app, and, and that one is great. that will give you ideas for devotions. So that would be one time. Meal time. Another one would be drive time. So does anyone feel like you spend way too much time in the car? Does anyone feel like that a little bit? Um, and I, I know typically in the car, teenagers, were kind of on the phone, you know, and sometimes parents are on the phone while they're driving, which they shouldn't be. Um, but what if you could leverage uh, drive time to have good conversations with, with your kids? And instead of just listening to music and being buried in the phone, what if we could leverage that time because you've got a captive audience for at least a few minutes not to lecture them. And, and again, and I think sometimes as parents we want to kind of lecture and tell them what to do and all that, but instead make it more of a more of a dialogue. Ask them what they think about, about things that are going on in the world. Uh, build the relationship. And I think that that's great. Uh, asking them questions that require more than a one word answer, or more than just a nod. Um, and maybe coming up with just here's kind of a question of the day, or as you're driving to school, what do you look forward to the most? What are you not looking forward to? How can I pray for you? Uh, bedtime would be another one. I think by bedtime, most people are tired. I know we're putting our girls down, and my older ones certainly much more kind of on their own going to bed. We're still kind of going and check on them and the younger one as well. But those are times where we have a little bit of peace and quiet just for a minute and we'll go by their bed and just pray for them. And just pray for them and uh, ask them, how can I pray for you today? And sometimes like, like that, in those times, that is when they will open up and we're tired. And we're ready to kind of, you know, watch TV and veg out, and go to bed ourselves. But in times like that, my girls have asked big questions. One time, uh, one of my girls just said, she said, Daddy, why did God have to die? You know, and I was like, "Wow!" I'm like, "I'm like, well, I got to go to bed, talk to your mom." No, not not really. Um, but she's asking this kind of big question, and we talked about God and about Jesus and and salvation. You know, had a great conversation about it at bedtime. So I think times like that are, are important. So this would be some uh, planned moments, some unplanned ones. Um, man, there's a million. But thinking about world events, school shootings, natural. Disasters, gender identity issues. When all this stuff came out with kind of Target and bathrooms and all that, um, we needed to have some conversations about it. And, and it's different how we talk with our, you know, one that just started sixth grade versus our one in 11th grade. But those are unplanned moments where we're able to dialogue a little bit back and forth on uh, media, movies and TV shows and music. And I'll tell you what, as we've watched as a family different movies together, I see more and more, I see the gospel in different movies and we're able to talk about things that we've seen and how it kind of relates back to the word of God. And sometimes that goes really well. And other times my girls would go, Ugh! you know, do you have to ruin everything, you know? Um, and so we'll get some some of that, but uh, it's also getting them to think uh, a little bit more biblically about things because out in the world we see story, stories of sacrifice and redemption, you know? And we're able to point that back and let them know that that flows from our God. So I think there's great ways to do that. And I think some of the other end plan ways are, you know, when there's relational Conflict with friends or teachers or sibling. Those are unplanned moments where you can leverage your influence. So that would be one way is leveraging the teachable moments. Here's another one um, it's milestone. Celebrate significant milestones, okay? So I want you to think about this. What comes to mind when you hear the word milestone? And I think about my own life. I think about growing up and significant milestones. I think about starting school. You know, I think about going off to college. I think about getting my Driver's license and playing, you know, my first sport and graduation, and most everything of all of those, it involves some kind of ceremony or some kind of gift. Or there, there were adults in my life at all of those that were making a big deal about that milestone. And so I wonder what would happen if we could begin thinking like that today, because I think milestones are incredibly powerful. They're powerful, and I think in Scripture we see those over and over again. And if you read in the Old Testament, in our church we're reading through the entire Old Testament right now, you see time and time again, where God is using these feasts and he's using festivals and there's a purpose behind it. It's not just a party for the sake of a party, but God wants them to remember these significant milestones. And, and, and remember back in the Old Testament, this is before they had the YouVersion Bible app and and all the tools that we have today. They had the word of God. Okay. They had the word of God. They had the synagogue. And they had their family. And one of the ways they would pass on spiritual truth is these different kind of rites of passage type experiences. A great example is in Luke 2. So Jesus is at the temple with his parents. There's the Passover feast. He's 12 years old. It's all part of the custom. All was going really well until they left Jesus behind. So it's probably not the kind of milestone experience that, that you want, uh, but that, that's an example of something they did right back then. And then another one y'all are probably familiar with is if you've ever been to a bar mitzvah, um, that is a great milestone experience. And I remember one one weekend growing up, I left a D-Now event to attend a bar mitzvah with my Jewish friend. You know, my people at church were like, what? Like, that doesn't even make sense. But it was really cool getting to participate in that because it's kind of a, a coming of age type experience and you're, you're becoming a man, and you're going to know the scriptures, and so it was really neat uh, getting to be part of that, because the reality is, whether parents like it or not, our kids are growing up, our kids are growing up, they're becoming older, instead of being fearful about that, what if we could leverage that and help celebrate that, I love it in First Corinthians thirteen eleven. it says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So milestones are ways that we can get to recognize the fact that our kids are growing up, that they're becoming a man, that they're becoming a woman, that they're getting older. And we leverage those moment, moments to speak truth and life into them. And I think there's really no one right or wrong way to go about it. You could think about it by grade that when a, you know, a kid gets into you know, starting out in you know, in kindergarten, is there some way we can kind of celebrate that as they get into middle school? What's the way that we can come behind in, in sixth grade or in seventh grade and do that? Another way I'd think about it is in terms of life event, when salvation, when a kid puts their trust in Christ, that we can celebrate that. Or baptism, or becoming a teenager. So here are a few examples of some different uh, milestones. So one Um, I love this one. It's a baptism party. A baptism party. All right? So when a kid puts their trust in Christ... When they 're following after the Lord, have a baptism party and encourage families to invite people over to come hang out and part of what we did and we did this for our girls is we had a new Bible and we had uh, the adults who were part of that to go and highlight their favorite verse in the Bible and so my daughters got this Bible and they got all these highlights, and people would put their initials by that it's okay to write in your Bibles for things like that all right and so we just had a baptism party and we got them there's a special gift uh, my girls love to get gifts they received a gift of that so baptism party another one is called a mentor for a day and this is one uh, as my girls were starting uh, as uh, my girls were in uh, uh, I think wrapping up middle school is when we did this Um, but basically we thought about who are people in their lives that are already a godly influence on their lives And so we kind of worked with them to think through, and we identified five ladies in their life that, and some of them were small group leaders, uh, other people in the church. And what we asked those ladies to do, we wrote them an email and said, would you be willing to be a mentor for a day? And here's what we mean. Would you be willing to take our daughter out and spend a day or just an afternoon, and just do something fun. And we had some people; they took them. They went painting. Another uh, group, another time, they went hiking, and it was just a one-on-one thing. We said, so "We want you to teach them a spiritual truth, and then a practical life truth." And would you be willing to do that? And, and of course, they were like, "Yes, we you know, we'd love that." And so my girls, it was win, because they had fun getting to hang out one-on-one with these different ladies in our church, and some were younger, some were older, and they all taught them something uh, from the Word of God and a practical life truth. And at the end of that, we did this over a semester, we invited all the ladies over and we had a big, we just had a big celebration, and we allowed them to share some of the truths that they taught. And it was all focused around my, that one girl. Uh, and, and my other daughters got to see that. And so we've done that uh, with two of ours, and we'll do that uh, with our third one as well. So men Tour for a day. Another one's a purity weekend, and this could be a great one anytime, certainly uh, anytime that middle school might work well. But that's the idea of having parents invite their son or daughter to be able to get away uh, for the weekend to share hopes and dreams and vision for purity. And here's the deal, and I've learned this with a lot of the parents we work at, at our church sometimes talking about sexual stuff with our kids. Um, It's hard. Parents feel sometimes awkward about it, and and maybe there's a hope that, well, the church will teach them, or maybe the school. The reality is the parents need to be talking to them, and we need to help parents in our church talk about purity to their kids. Because the truth is, if parents aren't talking to them about sex, I 100% guarantee you that someone else is. And the number one place that kids go to to learn about sex Is Google they Google it and you can imagine what you find in this search bar when you when you type that in so I think a great idea is getting them uh, for a weekend where we're going to say we're going to have these five conversations and we're going to dialogue about it Uh, so a purity type weekend or you could do it kind of over a series of you know some different kind of one-on-one times so that would be one another one uh, is called this one's called a year of discipleship okay And here's the idea behind this, I love this one. Uh, So this is one, in in a sense for my girls, I'm always their disciple, I'm their dad, I'm always kind of around and wanting to teach them things. But with my oldest daughter, Sarah, we took a year and we wanted to spend a year in a little bit more intense discipleship. So what I threw out to her, and this is based on something I read in a book by Mark Batterson, and he uh, has a book where he talks about this called Play the Man. And he did this with his sons. I'm like, I don't have sons, I have daughters, so I'm gonna adapt it we're gonna do this for my girls. And what we did is uh, I said over the course of the year, I want to give you an intellectual challenge and a physical challenge and, and a spiritual challenge, okay? And so with that, we, uh, we read 12 books together. So we had one book a month and I've got a list at the end of your handout on some of the, the books that we read. So we read one book a month. We met uh, about twice a month and did some kind of accountability, praying for each other. And then we also, and this is a big one, we memorized a book of the Bible together. We memorized Philippians. So in part of why we did that, I have a daughter that struggles a little bit with him, with anxiety. And so I knew that in Philippians, the man, it, it just speaks truth about anxiety. And I'll tell you what, um, that was hard. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever memorized, tried to do a whole book. It was hard. But you know who my best accountability partner was? It's my daughter. You know, better than any other accountability partner I've ever had because I knew that if we said we're going to do this together, we're going to get it done. So I divided up. Uh, Philippians is four chapters. And we took, you know, for this month, we're going to work on this section. And we met. As we met, we talked and we work on it. And it was one of the coolest things at the end of that year to sit in my living room. And her, you know, grandparents were there. Our girls minister from our church came. And we just got up and we just quoted Philippians. And it was awesome, you know. So a year of discipleship. And and that's uh, that's something cool I got to do with her. I'm about to start it with my middle daughter, Hannah. I'm excited about that. Maybe we'll memorize Philippians again. That would make it a little bit easier. Probably do something different. Yeah. Let's do Philippians, yeah. Um, But a year of discipleship would be a cool way. And for the fiscal challenge for that, we did, uh, there was a a race that we did at our church. So we did, you know, it was kind of a big deal. uh, Getting to do the race together. She did beat me, by the way. Um, But that was a lot of of fun getting to do that. And then another one uh, would be a manhood or womanhood ceremony. And and as we get closer to graduation, this is something we're wanting to do. But a special ceremony with a son or daughter around the time of graduation, similar to the mentor for day thing. But looking back over high school and even over middle school and thinking about who are the people that have invested well in her and gathered them together for a celebration to be able to pray prayers of blessing over my daughter and so uh, manhood or womanhood ceremony and there's all kinds of resources that kind of you can even google some of this stuff and it'll, it'll lay these out but just to give you some ideas but an opportunity for people to call out truth about their character and about what they see in them and hopes for the future okay so a manhood womanhood ceremony there's lots of other rites of passage type experiences but those are five I think that would work well. And then here's a final one as if you're going to teach some of this to people in your church about how do you invest in your kid? So we've talked about leveraging uh, the uh, teachable moments and talked about milestones. And the third one is to create lasting memories, create lasting memories. The reality is, we, um, with our kids for you know, Christmas and birthdays, we buy them things, and they get stuff, and they want the latest this and that. The truth is, when I think back on when I was growing up, I can tell you very few things that I got. And I know I got stuff. And my parents will be like, oh yeah, we bought stuff for you. So I don't remember all the stuff, but what I remember, I remember the memories. I remember getting up early on Saturday morning going fishing with my dad. And it was a lot of fun, you know. So I remember that. I remember some vacations. And I remember my parents making time for me. You know, I don't remember all the stuff. And what I've realized is that In scripture, it talks a whole lot about memories. And it seems like over and over again, you see this idea of remembering things. And and God is wanting to bring out spiritual truth with it. So I love in Joshua 4, it says So Joshua called together the 12 men. He had chosen one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each one of you must pick up a stone and carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, catch this guys, in the future your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So do you notice how in that verse, the stones are meant, it's just a stone, right? But it's meant to convey a spiritual truth to kids. In the same way, I think we can do things with our kids now that will create lasting memories that have spiritual significance. So we need to focus on doing some of the things that we hope they're going to remember for the long haul. And I think a lot of ways you can do this, I think family vacations are great. Typically our vacations, they're not like overly spiritual. We have a lot of fun, we have a great time, but I'm trying to build memories and get in good. Conversations this uh, this summer in uh, July, not too long ago, we got to go to DC. We went to the Museum of the Bible. Blown away! If you ever get a chance to go to see that uh, DC, do that. But I love that we got to do that with my girls. And there are parts they love, the other parts they're not as, as interested in. But thinking about what are some ways on our vacation we can kind of get in good conversations and do fun things together, but experience some things. And, and so that, that was really cool for us. And then I think traditions, birthdays, holidays. One of the favorite things I do at our church in December, we have what's called a family Lord's Supper. And so families gather together, and they come up, we have these round tables, and uh, myself or Chris, different people on staff, will be there, and we'll give the Lord's Supper and do kind of a mini devotion. But I love that as a family, and there's usually one or two other families with us, that we get to do that kind of together with our church body, but with my family. And it's just a cool tradition uh, that conveys the spiritual truth. Another thing I've done uh, with my girls, I've tried to have different daddy dates with them. So it's a one-on-one time. And sometimes we've been, we go all out. We went to like Atlanta, and we went, you know, we went on top of this big, tall building, nice restaurant. Other times, like my, my sixth grade daughter, she's like, can you please take me to McDonald's? I'm like, anywhere but McDonald's. You know, but that's what she wanted. And, and so we're doing that. And again, I'm not getting my Bible out. I'm not like preaching at them. I'm dialoguing with them. And I'm also teaching them here's how a man should treat you, you know? And and a man ought to open the door for you know, And I very much believe that. And I I want me, I want to be kind of the standard by which they measure other men. So I'm trying to teach them that in these uh daddy dates. We're trying to do that once a month. Um, other ways we can help them to remember God's faithfulness. So, spiritual birthdays, remembering when they put their trust in Christ and making a big deal. I mean, we make a big enough deal about when they were, you know, their normal kind of birthday, but their spiritual birthday, what's the way we can celebrate that? Uh, another thing, and I uh, brought this today, this is um, uh, my wife put this together. It's called Remembering God's Faithfulness. And it does help that my wife is a graphic designer, so that, that's very nice. But um, she, a while back, just kind of made this book and, and wrote about. So before our girls were born, um, she put some uh, information about just things that God has done, how God provided this car. When we didn't know where, you know, where car was going to come from. And she wrote about when our girls were born. So we got those pictures. Um, and this, um, this just sits in our house. And it's a reminder of the faithfulness of God because the truth is we forget about it. So maybe a photo book of God's faithfulness. Another thing we've done is we've had a jar in our home where little pieces of paper where we would just write down things that we've seen God do. So all year long, writing it down. And then New Year's Day, we get the jar out and we just read, you know? we Just read so that a jar of faithfulness, and then uh, another one that I have done. Someone years and years ago told me about this. Um, I've never been big on like a diary or journal or whatever you want to call it, but someone challenged me and said, What if you began uh, keeping a journal but you write letters to your daughters? I'm like, What you know, but uh, so well, maybe it's something I should try. So I just literally went out and got a little little journal, and I've tried you know once a month or twice a month just to write a little letter to them. Things I've seen them so my girls don't know this. If you ever meet them don't tell them uh, but ever since they were born I've been writing notes writing notes to them and I can't wait at high school graduation and I've got from all this one, several journals I'm going to give it to them as a gift And I've been so writing to you your whole life and here's things I've seen in you here's what I've seen God do in your life here's the struggle uh, back with anxiety and it was hard uh, it was really hard but here's how God was faithful so I'm just keeping a journal and writing and, and sometimes it's just fun stuff I've seen and things we've gotten to do but I wanted to keep a record of what God has done. So a journal, uh, that would be another idea to pass on. So um, really, in, in all these, these are, uh, the parents in your church, they are busy just like the parents in my church are. So my encouragement to you with parents is maybe help them to rethink pouring into their kids that it doesn't have to be this uber spiritual, three hour long, we're gonna go open the Bible and here's my sermon. Um, They're probably not wanting to do that and the kids probably aren't either, but I do think there are some of these ways by, by being able to leverage teachable moments and celebrate significant milestones and help them remember these memories of the faithfulness of God that you can pass on spiritual truth to your kids in these different ways. So uh, I think that's something, that outline of what I gave you, um man, use that to teach the, some of the parents in your church and help them with that. And I'd say beyond that, we're going to shift gears now kind of into the second part of what I'm wanting to communicate today. So what we've looked at here is something you could take and teach the parents and here's how you do it. And now I want us to get a little bit broader because we're church leaders, you know, either volunteer or staff. We're all uh, kind of uh, ministry leaders in one way or another. So what I want to do is to think about more broadly. Uh, beyond if I'm just sitting one-on-one or teaching a group of parents, how can we develop more of an overall healthy ministry to the parents in our church? Okay. So five steps for this. So one, uh, simply this, it's step one is to connect with parents, connect with the parents. And what we're talking about here is relational connections with the parents in your church. And I think depending on uh, who you are, Depending on your age and comfort level, some of this will come easier for you than for others. When I was back in my twenties, a long time ago, I was more intimidated by parents. I mean, they were the scary old people, and they were there to judge me and criticize me and potentially get me fired. You know, and so that that was like, man, I don't really know that I want to do a whole lot with parents. But as I began to mature a little bit in my understanding of, of parents, and and then you know start having kids of my own, I started realizing that maybe. they have something to offer as well and that they're people that they're trying to figure out life day by day. So I began to realize that and I began to make the shift where I was looking for ways to partner with parents. We've already talked some about that today. Look for ways to partner with parents. And the truth is we have a similar mission, right? So they want the best, like we all want the best for our kids in our youth group and our church. We want them to be godly men and women. I guarantee you that the parents in your church who are believers, they want it more than you do for their kids. I guarantee you. So look for ways to partner with parents. And a big first step in that of developing a healthy parent ministry is to relationally connect with them, to so see them uh, as a partner in ministry. And I'd say look for ways to learn their names. I think sometimes in youth group world, you know, we had we had our big kickoff night uh, a few nights ago. We had tons of teenagers come. Then it's mass chaos and all this. And, and I think it's easy in the, the craziness of student ministry just to focus on the teenagers, but looking out for moms and for dads. Because, guys, the truth is parenting is hard you know and I've known that I mean from the time my girls were little it was hard back then it's hard now we're still figuring stuff out and we're navigating my oldest daughter driving parenting is hard and if you have never been the parent of a teenager the truth it is it's probably a little bit hard to relate to that. So my encouragement would be show a lot of grace uh, show a lot of grace resist the urge to act as if you know what it's like when you don't, you know? Um, but I do think even if you don't have teenagers yourself, I think we can encourage and I think we can empathize and try to relate to them. Listen, um, pray for them encourage them but I would also say look for some intentional ways to spend time with parents and build relationship with them and it could be just as people are coming into the youth room or children's ministry that is literally a handshake and making sure you're looking in their eyes and that we know their name and that while we're excited that their kid is there we're also excited that they're there and sometimes I found parents are dropping kids off and they we've got a bench um, outside of our in our student building and I've seen parents just sitting there we've looked for ways to kind of get them involved and we have this kind of Bible study going on on here you can volunteer here um, so look for ways to help them get connected but just to build relationship another thing I'd say is look for some ways to brag on their kids man I love I love when someone comes up to me and tells me oh man your daughter coolest thing that happened. And we were in our small group and she said this and, and it just melts my heart, like hearing about that. So look for ways when you see their kids doing something well, we've got student bands and all that. And so I try to be intentional that when I've seen someone do well in band, it doesn't always happen. Sometimes they don't do well. Try not to lie about that. Right. Uh, but when things have gone great to find their parents and say, man, they knocked it out of the park. Well, well done, you know, so look for ways to brag on their kids, um, And I'd say even look for ways to have them, you know, meeting a parent for lunch or for coffee. Cool. I think it's a cool opportunity to learn from them. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in our ministry world and we're like, man, they can't even imagine how hard it is to bring you know 50 kids to six flags and bring it back alive, you know? And some of these parents are like, Wow, I'm running a multi-million dollar company, you know, like, and you're talking about Six Flags, but they've got a whole other level of things. I think we can learn a whole lot from some of the parents in our church, so I think we need to be teachable. That's another thing to jot down if you're doing notes, to be teachable. Ask good questions about their business and about their life and parenting and family with no agenda other than to simply learn and you might be surprised that they might have some ideas about what you're doing in student ministry or children's ministry or church where they might be able to help you be more efficient you might learn a lot from them so look for ways to hang out uh, with them and then any way you can look for opportunities to encourage parents guys the truth Is a lot of parents, I'm convinced they're discouraged and they feel like they are not doing a good job. I was um, discipling one of our kids that's eighth grade, that's now in ninth grade and uh, was talking with his mom and and got this email. So I want to read to you part of what, what she said. I got this earlier this year. So said it's just a lot different. It's a lot of different little things that I'm having issues with. It's too much to say. I just want him to realize that his behavior is affecting me in a bad way and rubbing off on his younger brother. I am trying my best, but I feel like I'm failing as a parent. I feel like I'm failing. So that's a single mom, and she is doing what she can to make ends meet and try, you know, and she's feeling like a failure. So i have looked for ways to encourage you, and I'm telling her, you're not, you're not failing. I mean, for some, I mean just being able to get their kids to church and putting food on the table. I mean, that's a big deal. So we need to look for ways to, man, encourage and celebrate. And that's why I think we need to resist the urge. And like, by the way, you need to be able to add these three programs and you need to do this three-hour Bible study. Um, That's not going to work. But I think there are some ways they can invest in their kids and the natural rhythms, but look for ways to encourage parents. Um, Another one is share the gospel. Like I think in Children's Ministry Institute, we think a little bit more about that teenager, that middle and high school kid. But there are parents that might drop their kids off. Maybe they even come uh, and a part of some things they might not know the Lord. So look for some ways to share the gospel with parents. Can you imagine what will happen when there's a mom or a dad that they begin to follow the Lord and they're teaching their kids that will affect generations to come. So connect with parents, share the gospel, look for opportunities to build relationships. Step two, step two. I know I'm going fast. We've got a lot, a lot to get to. Uh, I think we can get it all done. Step two, invest in parents invest in parents. So connecting with parents is good to build a healthy, effective ministry, but invest in them as well. So think about some intentional ways that you could invest in parents with budget, with time, with resources, facilities. So let me give you three primary ways that you can invest in parents. So one is simply groups. Okay? And probably at your church you have groups. I'm guessing that you've got whether you call it Sunday school or small groups or discipleship, and every group fulfills some kind of specific purpose. Right? But if you ever thought about having a group in your church that is specifically for parents and even within that specifically for parents of teenagers. Have you ever thought about that, I feel like in a lot of churches, from what I know, that parents are typically lumped. We're kind of lumping them on. Doesn't matter if you have preschool and you know, uh, grade school kids or middle or high, we kind of lump them all them together. And there's definitely value in that. I'm not knocking that, but at what I know is that parents of teenagers in particular they need and they want to be around other parents of teenagers. So, what would be What would that look like if you had a group that was specifically for parents of teenagers? So a couple years back, we started this in our church, and and it's a real creative name. We call it Parents of Teenagers group. You know, we couldn't think of what else to call it, Uh, so we called it that. But we meet on Sunday mornings from about 9.30 to 10.45, it's the same time as our student small groups. We meet in the gym uh, next door to our student ministry building. And uh, when my girls were, I think when my oldest, uh, it was uh, right before, right, right as we were starting kind of youth group world, we said we need to be around other people in the same life stage. And so we started this group with about 10 to 12 other parents. And here were some of the goals. So one of them is to create a place for parents to connect uh, with other parents at the same uh, life stage, and then look at what scriptures say to learn from one another. Uh, another goal is to help parents learn better, just how to step up and be spiritual leaders in their home. Uh, another one is we wanted to keep parents posted on uh, culture and what, what's going on and things they need to know about. Whenever iPhone came out with the, um, all the screen time. If y'all, if y'all have iPhones, know about that. Um, it's a great way to help kind of monitor your kids' uh, time on their phone. But a lot of our parents, they didn't know about it, and they didn't really know what their kids were doing on, on phone, so we're able to talk to parents and tell them about that. And when uh, on Netflix, when the movie 13 Reasons Why, when that hit, uh, what I found is a lot of our kids, they know all about Netflix, you know, and parents don't know maybe as much and so we're able to talk a little bit about it and we really don't get out and like here's the list of the top 10 things to avoid we just don't do that but we just say we want to make you aware and there's a show on Netflix your your kids have probably heard about it uh, 100% they're talking about it in public schools and we just want you to be aware uh, of, of what's going on so we've looked for ways to uh, do that within that group and the basic format of the group, it's pretty simple. We just set up round tables and, and then have my wife and I are up front, we have a, a TV, a flat screen TV, and we've got you know kind of slides and all this you know, cool hookup. And we take a few minutes and we just do some announcements. So anything, if there's some parent ministry event coming up or a big student ministry event, talk about that. Whatever study we're doing, we'll we'll intro that. And most of the group is spin around round tables and just doing discussions. So we do some. Uh, some studies that are specifically parent ministry related. I think at the end of your handout, uh, somewhere in there, I put a bunch of uh, great studies you do. If you had a, a Parents of Teenagers group, I believe that's somewhere in the handout. And so what we do is we typically flip between that and then we'll do kind of a book of the Bible type study. The thing we found is that whatever study we're doing, it all relates back to us in our life stage. And so anything we're learning, like we read through the book of Ruth, we're able to think about it through a little bit more of a parenting lens. So we began this um, a couple years back, started with 10 to 12 people. And then over time, it's grown. We've got over 50 people that are part of the group. And here's the, the cool benefit uh, for that is I've now, and at our church, I'm able to, to stand in front of our parents every Sunday morning, and I'm able to, to challenge them with biblical truth. And one of the things I challenge them with over and over again is what we've talked about today that as parents, you are the spiritual leaders for your kids. And I'll say things like this, and this just oozes out of me. I say, what would happen this week if you carved out one time for 10 minutes and you opened the word of God? Around your dinner table, what would that be like? You know, and so I just kind of plant that out there, uh, and I, I feel like if I say it enough, that it's going to catch on. And I tell them stories of when it when I failed. Like I'll tell them stories of when I did a devotion and I started reading in the Bible. I, I didn't prepare. I just thought, man, I've been to seminary. I'm good. I can I can wing it. And I started reading the story in the Bible about when someone got stabbed and their belly and their guts came out. And my youngest daughter's like, oh my word, like that's in the Bible, you know? And I even forgot what the point was. I was supposed to make and I'm like so that was a parenting failure you know you definitely want to prepare ahead of time so I'll share the failures and then we also share about the wins and that group has been so cool to give me an outlet to be able to, to just share vision uh, with parents so that would be one idea um, is to have that kind of group and here's the deal if you're the if you're the sole student pastor or you know discipleship pastor or children's minister you probably can't do that yourself okay But you can probably find people in your church that maybe they have already raised teenagers and they would be a great person to lead that group. So I think you definitely need to have someone that is either a parent of a teenager or they've already done that. And they could be some of the biggest cheerleaders for your ministry. And part of what we found over time, and Chris can uh, attest to this and answer this, our parents in that group are some of our best volunteers. If you walk in our student building on a Wednesday night, you will see, I don't even know, what, 15, 20 parents, maybe more, volunteering, doing, running our info desk and checking and all that. They're just around, and they're you know, in community. There's a good trust between uh, Chris and I, our staff, and parents because we've relationally connected with them, and a lot of them are part of that group. So a parent of teenagers group. Uh, here are a couple other groups. There's a moms in prayer group. My wife has helped lead that. Some of these I'm just going to go through, guys, really, uh, really fast with our time. But a moms in prayer group, um, meeting together once a week to pray, a men's accountability group. Uh, last year I started meeting with a couple dads. We met for gosh, probably 45 minutes to an hour once a week just to hold each other accountable and pray for one another. So that, that would be a group to uh, meet with dads and uh, time in the Word of God and prayer and accountability. Uh, my wife started a Parents of Teenagers Facebook group. And uh, I think it's literally just called Parents of Teenagers. And, and she posts something every day that sometimes it's just funny. It's a meme that says something about parenting. Other times it's an article. Other times it's a question. Sometimes it's a link you know, to a video. But it's all about parenting, and a lot of our parents at our church are on that. And then our friends from Texas and kind of all different places are a part of that. And it's just to encourage parents. It's to challenge them and to get them to think about parenting uh, when it comes to teenagers. So uh, a Facebook group. So that would be uh, one way. Um, is to do uh, different groups. I might have skipped over. I can't remember if that, that's in your handout where it says resources. I think the more you can resource parents, the better. Uh, to give them all kinds of stuff. Whenever I'm doing these parent meetings and all that, I'm trying to give them things that are going to help them uh, to be able to do uh, what, what we're asking them to do as parents. So resources are great. Another one is Seminars. Uh, seminar. So when it comes to seminars, and that's what we're doing today, this uh, seminar, a uh, couple different ways you can do that. One way is to bring in a professional, okay? Bring in a professional. And this is kind of like a parent ministry expert. It's someone maybe on youth culture or some specific topic. Um, there's a guy named Jonathan McKee, and he has a ministry called The Source and the number four parents. I think his website's at the end in the handout. And a couple years back, we brought him in, and he did, there it is, this uh, similar called Parenting the Smartphone Generation. We did it uh, in the afternoon. Uh, we promoted it for a month or two out, and we had a decent turnout of parents that came. Uh, we made it free for them, so we covered the cost of him flying them in and coming, and it was great. We got great feedback on that. It was an excellent uh, seminar. We had 50 or more parents that came and uh, cost us a little bit of money, but made it free for them and went very well. So that would be one idea, bringing in a professional. Another one is to lead your own seminar. Uh, lead your own seminar. And I think when we first started thinking about this, we thought, well, how are we going to do this? And what would that even look like? And uh, my wife and I began talking about this whole, and that's where the whole moments and memories and milestones came out of. And so we literally, what I taught you a minute ago, we did that for our parents. Uh, we did it a little bit longer way. We had group discussion. We had some cool video clips and all that. Um, but we did that, and we did it on Sunday morning from, get this, 930 to 1045. And here's why. We realized that for parents to go home and come back, it's a little bit of a hard sell, all right? So we said, we're gonna do it during the normal time because their, their kids are already taken care of, whether they have grade school kids or teenagers, and we're gonna maximize the time. So we only had an hour and 15 minutes. We actually did a free breakfast. My parent group hosted it, we did a free breakfast. We had 75 plus people that came, that parents that learned moments and memories and milestones on a Sunday morning, and it really cost us nothing because we we kind of all you know brought food and all that cost us nothing so that would be another way and then a third one is to partner with a local expert okay so it could be someone in your church someone in your community my guess is that if you asked around you have people in your church that they're experts in their particular area and the big advantage of partnering with someone local is that you can begin meeting with them to plan and coordinate. And so we wanted to do one um, that, uh, a couple different things. We did one called Be Careful What You See. And uh, just realize, and if your church is anything like mine, your teenager's uh, pornography is out there. It's a struggle. It's uh, digitally, they can get to it. And so we wanted to do a seminar to talk about how do we help navigate through pornography? How do we help set up some kind of roadblocks, but also engage in conversations about it? And there was someone um, in our church, that, or in our community, that kind of taught about those type of things, and so we partnered together and did that seminar together. Another one we did um, is this one. It's is the most recent one. Uh, called Hope for Your Hurting Teen, understanding anxiety, depression, and suicide. And guys, the reality is there are many teenagers, as you know, that struggle with anxiety, and depression and suicide, my oldest daughter, the anxiety, is something we 've walked with for years with her, and so I can relate to a parent and who has a daughter um, struggling with anxiety in ways that i, I couldn 't have years ago. I can really relate, relate at a whole other level and so that 's that seminar. We partnered with someone at our church that 's a professional counselor, and we had her come in and she talked a little bit about here 's what 's going on in the mind and chemically and this kind of stuff and then here's some ways as a counselor that we 've helped them and, and a lot of what we did is we unpacked the statistics and Warning signs and all that. Then we said, here's what you can do if you're walking through that. And I can't tell you how many parents came up after and and just said, wow, thank you. That was so helpful. And and this is exactly what we're going through. And I I now feel like I have resources. So I think it would be wise to ask the questions, what are the things that the parents in your church, where do they need help? And you, in a seminar kind of setting, can, can tackle some of these things about spiritual development or pornography or uh, phones and technology, anxiety, things like that. And the last couple that we've done, it's cost us very, very little money. Uh, we've done it at a great time, and, and we've had between 75 and 100 parents that came to be part of those, which is more than when we brought in the professional uh, from, from the outside. So I would highly encourage that. And then a, a, a final one in this section, uh, resources. I guess I hadn't mentioned that yet. Uh, Resources. So uh, the more you can give them resources, a lot of those are in the back in the handout. But whatever curriculum you do for kids' ministry or student ministry, most of them today, the ones I've looked at, they've got some kind of parent take-home thing. So here's the deal. A lot of what I did for years, as I looked at it and I thought that was cool, And I did nothing with it, you know. Uh, But if it's already done for you, or even if it's not, if you can kind of take some of what you've learned, we give parents something, and we just call it table talk. Because I really uh, try to paint this picture of sitting around the table opening the Word of God. And we have on our website, if you go to our website, you'll look, and there's a parent part. It says, click here for table talk. And in that, it's always updated, so every, uh, every month, it's got four, uh, for the four or five different Sundays, it's got listed out table talk, you click on that, and then uh, from your phone, and I literally do this from my phone at the end, uh, at the end of dinner, um, it's got a summary of what kids learned about on that Sunday, and it's got two to three questions related to what they talked about, and so we'll just sit there, and we'll dialogue about what they talked about on Sunday. Sometimes, I'm talking to my daughters, like, oh, we didn't talk about that at all, and I'm like, well, I'm going to talk to your small group leader, you know, um, but that that's been a cool way to help resource parents about something the kids are already talking about. So resources would be another way, all right? Uh, another one, uh, step 3 is communicate to parents. How long do we have? Want to be sure we're good on time. We got till 4:30, is that right? Oh, okay. Till 4:20? Oh yeah. Oh, 412. Okay, good deal. I think we got a little bit more time. All right, so step three is communicate to parents. Communicate to parents. And know that when I say this, uh, this part is not so much about communication skills, but I I think that's certainly important. Uh, But it goes more uh, more than just kind of I'm trying to relate to them and learn names, more than saying hey to them in the hallway. What are some ways you can more intentionally communicate to parents? And a couple of thoughts on that. So one is events. Okay, and I want to tell you about three different events that you could do, and, and really with this, I'm not talking about adding a million things. Some of these things I'm talking about you might already do, This just might be a different twist on them, so I don't want to add to your already busy calendar, uh, but I want you to think about three different parent events. One is a transition event, okay? and this is the kind of event that's designed for parents of rising sixth graders, and let me tell you something, it is a big deal when you've got parents when all they've known is kids' ministry, so our kids' ministry, Oh, it's phenomenal. And when we go to kids camp, it is like a lot of our high schoolers have their counselors. We have what one counselor for like two to three kids. I mean the ratios are incredible. Now, for our camp, when we go to youth camp, we don't have those kind of ratios. So parents moving into of ministry, there is fear and trepidation, okay and and it's just a different world and, and I'm, I'm telling you, especially with moms, I've had so many conversations with nervous moms and they're used to like, you know, they, have, they walk the kid in, they check him in, and I'm like, no, the kids can check themselves, and they're like, what? You know, that's crazy. And, and so it's just a, it's a different mindset when your people are moving into the youth group. So we do this transition event, and we do it very low-key. We do it what's called the Moving On Up Party. So you just call it a party, it's fun, right? And it's a pool party, and we do it in uh, the end of July. And it's something that our kids' ministry plans, but uh, Chris and myself and our student ministry staff were part of it, and it is an informal cookout, hanging out time, so the kids swim, and they have a great time, and it's all, it's sixth graders and their parents, and then we take about 10 minutes, and, and our children's ministry says stuff like, oh, we love you, and you're the best group ever, or we're so done with y'all, Now I'm kidding, she did not say that, but she just encourages them, and, and uh, really tries to lift them up, and says, I can't wait for y'all to be in student ministry, and then Chris and I get up there, and we just say, we can't wait for you to be part, and here's what's coming up, so we get to talk to parents about a little bit of what to expect, and just formally hang out with the kids. So a uh, moving on out uh, party, some kind of transition event, because know that parents, here are the questions they're asking. Okay, They're asking, can I trust you? They're not going to say this to you, but they want to know, can I trust you? Are you confident? Um, if you take my kid to camp, will you bring them back? Can I trust you? Dad? And years later, what they're wondering for me is can I trust Jamie that he's going to take my kids to Guatemala? We do international mission trips in high school, and and even at that age, they're asking these kind of questions, and they're checking you out, and I want to be sure that we are well prepared, and so I'm getting to know parents, I'm trying to learn names, and any and every question they have, I'm trying to answer all their questions, and some kind of informal cookout pool party would be a great way to do that, so have some kind of uh, event like that uh, to help transition. Another one, another type of event is what I call a connection event. Okay. So this is an event that is designed for parents of rising sixth graders or rising ninth graders or uh, people who are new to the church in the past year. And we've done this event for five or six years now. And so we send a letter out. So this is for all parents of you know, rising sixth or ninth graders or people new to the church. And I have some other parents that come. They just come to anything we do. And so they're part of that, which is great. But a lot of what we do at the Parent Connection Lunch. We do it over uh, so from about twelve fifteen to two. Uh, we do it in our Student Ministry Building. We provide childcare if they have younger kids, and for the if they have for the sixth graders, ninth, and all that, they get to hang out in our Student Ministry Building with our interns. So we provide lunch, and uh, for about an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, We talk with parents and we share uh, mission and vision and values. Uh, We talk about, uh, here's what student ministry looks like and when you come on your first night for your kids, here's what you can expect. So it's basically, whereas the transition event, it's a real quick, very high level and here's a little bit of what to expect. This is what I call a deep dive into student ministry. So they get to meet all of our staff. They get to hear, uh, we give them a list, hear all the events coming up. Uh, Here's what you can expect. And so we try to lay everything out for them. If there are any parent seminars coming up, we, we talk about that. But we want to answer any and every question we can for parents at that event. And it's also a great time that parents, that they begin to get connected with other parents at our church. And I guarantee you, and every year I've seen this, there are parents who come that they're saying, well, now that my my kids in middle school. It's time for us to get back to church. And we're like, that's great. We'd love for you to come. And so we do that event to help answer their questions. And when, and when they come to that lunch, they meet other parents who are saying, we would love for you to come to our group. And they, they invite them in. So some kind of connection event. And then a third event I would throw out to you, uh, and we do that connection event in August, right um, the Sunday before school starts back, okay? So these three events we literally do in July, August, and the third one is the parent leader breakfast, and we do this one in September, okay? So picture for this one, do you know uh, how in school they have the meet the teacher night? You know about that? This is basically that, so it's a meet the small group leader kind of morning. So what we'll do is we'll have all of our middle and high school students in one room. Okay, we just stuff them all in there, and we'll have uh, Chris and Gray, our high school pastor, will lead them in some kind of big group stuff and Bible setting. And then I have all the parents in our gym, and we have small, uh, we have little round tables set up, and one will say. Um, Ninth, group, ninth grade girls, small group leader. 10th grade girls, small group leader. Know, and we have for every, for every group, we have a table. And so I have the small group leader sit there, and it is informal time for the, the leader to know the parent and the parent to get to know the leader. And if our value, if one of our values is partnering with parents, this is a phenomenal way to help them partner. And so I'll, I'll have parents that'll say, man, that really helped me because i got to know who my, my kid's small group leader is. And they'll go up to the leader and say, um, here's what you need to know about what's really going on in our family so you can pray for them. And I'll have leaders go, Man, I had no idea. But the reality is week to week we're so busy and there's not a lot of time on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night to have conversations. So we take one Sunday morning and we plan this event, and it is super easy to plan. We we get Dairy Queen biscuits and we set those out, we get some bagels, and, and I get up for about 10 minutes and I, I share a little bit of vision and a few announcements, and the rest of the time I say, and if you've You've got three or four kids. You hear all the tables. Take a few minutes at each one. Just go meet the leader and hang out. And every year, we see God do really cool things. So some kind of parent-leader event uh, would be an incredible way to do that, okay? So events, uh, that would be one way. Um, And then another... Uh, Another way uh, in terms of communicating would be email. And I feel funny saying this, email, okay? Email is, I know, kind of like, whew, that's like old school and teenagers, they don't really do that. Here's the truth, parents still Email, all right. It's a phenomenal way to communicate with them. So um, I encourage you to do that. We we do other things. We do social media and all that. But our primary thing week to week is uh, to email them. So a few tips um, in emailing. I used to do like man every week, and it was these long emails. And um, here's the truth, and this is humbling. They didn't read them. You know, like it was too long. It was too much information. So a couple tips when you're emailing parents, all right. One, uh, keep it short and sweet. Uh, they do not care about your funny little stories, all right. Uh, so keep it short and sweet. Uh, they don't need long articles. They are probably not going to read it. Um, if you're uh, emailing about events, I would say do the basic, uh, the basic information uh, about an event, and then have some kind of way for them to. If you want to find out more, uh, click here. Okay. And certainly, if, if there's some kind of parenting help, some discussion guide, you can put a link to that. I think it's great, but keep it short and sweet. Um, another one is use some pictures. So uh, for whatever event, all the slides you saw, like literally all of those and emails, we put it in there and then put a little bit of information. So if they can look, and y'all know that most people today when they check email, it's on their phone, right? And so I used to have these emails where there'd be a picture here and here and all that. And what happens on the phone when you try to do that? It's a little distorted. So what I found, and uh, the best way to do this is literally it's graphic information, graphic information, graphic information, because what do they do? Scroll and they only read the stuff they want to read, and you probably do the same thing too, is scroll, scroll, click, all right? And that's the third one is to add some links, add some links. So basic, basic stuff, uh, not, not too many details, um, add a few links, and I, and for us, and everyone's different, we do it, I do it every other week, not to parents. Every week felt like a bit too much, once a month, not enough, so every other week. I know we've got a few more minutes, so let me, uh, let me get to step four. Um, is this. So uh, step four is to involve your parents, to involve your parents. Um, And I'm sure that uh, there are some teenagers at your church that would say, the last thing I want to see on a Wednesday night (laughs) is my mom and my dad, you know? Uh, So the truth is that some of your parents, they have the potential to be some of your best volunteers, okay? So I would encourage you to look for ways to uh, involve the parents in your church. And, and I think it is great when a mom or dad can be a part. Now, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that they're their kid's small group leader. There might be a time we've done, made a few exceptions, but you know if a kid is in a small group and they're going, man, pray for me, um, I hate my parents right now, you know? That's going to be a little bit awkward around the dinner table. So uh, I would say if you do have a parent that's leading their kid's small group, probably um, have someone else with them would be another way to do it. But a few different ways that we involve parents. So ongoing ways. Here's some things we do. Uh, Check-in team. Hospitality team, info desk team. Uh, we've got a product table. Uh, we have a ton of parents to do that, and they do it on a rotating basis. So we have a you know, big master list, and you know, this week you're up. Um, events. Uh, D now we do girls retreat. Uh, we do something for guys called man Treat, uh camp, mission trip. So uh, event to event, and some parents might say, "Hey, I can't do an every week thing, but for that event, um, um what do you need? You know, I'll help you for that event." Uh, so that would be a great for, way for them to be involved, and then. Kind of directly with students so a Sunday morning small group, a Wednesday night breakout group. I have some parents that they lead a small group, but it's not for their kid, but it, it's, for, um, it's for another group. So they're kind of around, but they're not the, the point leader uh, for that group. So ongoing ways, events, and then directly with students. And, and uh, I think, too, it's important to help parents know that for their kids, we do want to be respectful of the fact that, that their kids are in there, and we don't want to go out of our way to embarrass them, make them uncomfortable. I've tried to, be, to navigate very carefully now that I have three daughters in the youth group but um, I want to give them their space and I, I'm not there trying to parent them and tell them tuck your shirt you know I'm not doing any of that stuff I want them to hang out and be part and I love that we've got Chris investing in my sixth grade daughter and we've got a high school pastor and girls minister and so I do try to kind of give them their space but it's been cool in that environment they'll still come up and give me a hug and, and I'm always their dad you know uh, but I've tried to be uh, mindful of that so if you have parents that are going to volunteer in student ministry? Maybe help them understand a little bit of the balance, uh, the balance about that. Okay, um, and then I'd say with any of your uh, leaders, I'd say whether it's a parent or not, walk them through a process. Okay, it is important to think through motives. So if you have a parent that their primary motive is I want to get in and spy on my kid, you know, because I just know that they're going to. Um, you probably want to be weary about that. All right, so you want to try to discern uh, motives and try to to put them um, in the spot that, that makes the best sense in student ministry and what the best fit is. I would have an application and background, you know, interview, have them observe the ministry and have some kind of training. to so walk them through a process. And guys, we'll wrap up with this and uh, be done in a few minutes. The final step, so developing an overall healthy ministry, it's to simply pray for parents pray for parents. And I know that probably, uh, should have been like step one. Uh, but I think, uh, praying for parents too, this is not like a, um, well you wait till you've done the other four. This is more of like a woven throughout your ministry, uh, looking for ways to pray for parents. So in our staff meeting, we have a staff meeting on Tuesday morning and we begin, um, in a time we do a devotion and then we pray. We kind of go around person, person, praying for families, all that, but also try to be mindful that there are our parents in our church. So, uh, You name it, they're going through it. So we've got divorce going on. I mean, there's been... You know, affairs that have happened. Uh, there's been death in the family. Um, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And the little bit I know, I'm aware that there's, there's probably much more I don't even know about. So we pray for families um, in our church. I think we lift them up, pray for them, and for God to intervene and for God to work in miracles. So I think uh, you, as a ministry leader, praying for them, it might even be good that you develop a team that is your prayer team specifically for parents of teenagers and praying for them. And maybe you have a place on a website or through a note card um, where parents can just put prayer requests of things going on, so having some kind of prayer team, And then here are a couple ways, very specifically, that you can pray for parents, okay? So one, praying for wisdom, praying for wisdom. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Pray for parents to have wisdom in parenting, because parenting is—it's hard. Parenting is hard. Another one: uh, pray for courage. Pray for courage. Joshua 1, 1, 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'm telling you that being the parent of a teenager, you need courage because man, it is um, it is so easy to want to bow to the culture. And I've had my girls and they'll tell me, well, everyone else's parents and, and we're like Great for them, you know, but we're not, you know, and, and we've had many uh, a battle of, well, they get to watch the Hunger Games, and, you know, and, well, you're too young, and later on, you know, and, and the older they get, we're letting out the kite string, believe me, And sometimes quicker than what I want, but parents need to have courage, because they're not there to be their best friend, they're not there to be their youth leader, they're there to be their mom and their dad, and that's a very specific role, so pray for courage, pray for perseverance, uh, Galatians 6, nine. let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Guys, I'm telling you, like the mom that emailed me and said, I feel like I'm failing as a parent. You need to pray for parents that they would have perseverance to push through. Because there are times when parents are weary and when they're tired. Uh, pray for healing. And I know for some parents at our church, and I'm sure at yours as well, there are times where they are disconnected from their kids, and, and their teenager might like hate. And they might even say it, I hate you. You know, and that crushes a parent to hear that. Uh, there are relationships that are um, just not the way they need to be. So pray for healing between mom, mom, and dad, and their kid. And Malachi 4 6, he will turn the hearts of the parents to the children, and the hearts of children to their parents. So pray for healing in relationships. And then finally, to pray for hope. Pray for hope. Hebrews 6, in verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Guys, I'm telling you that parents need hope. And we need to be people as ministry leaders that are praying for hope. For parents. So as we wrap all this up today, I'm going to wrap up and we're going to pray and, and be done. And I forget what's next, dinner or something uh, coming up. Uh, but here's just a few thoughts. I know uh, today this is a whirlwind of information. Like typically things like this, I would love if we had more and we're kind of Q&A and I'll hang around if you want to talk about any questions. Uh, but I know it's a flood of information. So here's the thought um, to wrap it all up if you're wanting to implement some things. So here's the thought. Number one, what is one parent that you can pray for? and encourage this week. Think about literally one. One mom or one dad. You can pray for and encourage. Second one, what is one idea from today? So don't try to be like, we're going to do it all, you know? Uh, What is one idea from today that in the next month that you can begin the process of implementing? Everything I've done here, um, let me tell you, it didn't happen overnight. And it wasn't just me. It's a process, and it took time, okay? Uh, But what is one idea from today you can begin implementing? And then thirdly, what is one event or one group or seminar that you could host for parents this year? So not just in a month, but within a year. What is one seminar, one event, or one group that you could begin and host for parents sometime this year. Uh, man, thank y'all for being here today. Uh, thank y'all for listening and being a part. And I love, uh, as I'm talking, just seeing some of y'all nodding and like yes, you know. I think we all, if y'all are in this uh, seminar, you you want what I want. We want to see parents that are living for the Lord, investing in their kids. Um, and I'm convinced to, uh, to see kids that are living for the Lord 5 and 10 and 20 years down the line, that we need to partner with moms and with dads in doing ministry together. So my prayer for you, is that you would do that, that that would happen more and more in your church and in mine. Let me pray for us, and then I'll hang around if you have any questions. Heavenly Father, thank you for today and for this group and for time to hang out and talk about ministry to parents. And uh, Lord, what a privilege it is to minister to moms and dads and uh, to middle and high school students and to kids and adults. And uh, Lord, it is an incredible privilege that you allow us to be a part of what you're doing in ministry. And Lord, I pray for each of the people here today that in the different churches, as we represent here, I pray that we would see ministry to parents uh, happen more and more, that you would show us ways that we can lovingly encourage and challenge and resource parents to be the moms and dads that you've called them to be, so that they would love their sons and their daughters and invest in them for the long haul. So that we would see 5 and 10 and 20 years down the line these kids that are now going to be young men and young women living for the Lord and making an impact on the kingdom of God. So we pray for that and we trust you with that and we love you and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank y'all for being here today. I appreciate that and uh, I will hang around if you have any questions and hope you have an incredible rest of your time here. Thank you.